Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Southern Spectre Podcast. I am your host, Isaiah, and as always, thanks for listening. Uh, you may have noticed that I did not introduce Lexi this week. Um, well, me and Lexi have had some things going on uh, in our personal lives. And uh, with that being said, uh, she'll be back. She'll be back soon. But... On the other hand, you know, it's just, it's crazy for both of us right now. We got a lot going on. Um, now, I'm not sure if you are familiar with what occurred two weeks ago here in the South, but we had an outbreak of storms uh, for one, and uh, it was, it was crazy. Uh, it all happened on a Tuesday afternoon. Um, me personally, I've never been in a tornado or tornado life you know life-threatening situation with one before uh never been that close to one before and uh to be honest with you i never want to be in another one ever again uh between south carolina georgia alabama and mississippi i believe it were uh all around you know within the span of 24 hours there was an outbreak of 32 tornadoes and all um, now, that's a lot in my opinion. Uh, but where we were at, uh, where we live at, there is a, there was a whole string of them that were coming out of um, an area like maybe 20, 25 miles away from where we're at now. And a majority of those storms were missing us. And so that was a good thing. Uh, but as the evening wore on, those storms got closer and closer to where we live. Uh, shout out to Ryan Hall. I don't know if you guys know him. I don't know if he knows me, but uh, Ryan Hall does a YouTube channel uh, as well as a TikTok. And it's his name is it's at Ryan Hall. If you go on YouTube and type him up, he'll you be able to find him. But he does a really great job of, uh, you know seeking out the weather uh to, to kind of give you a breakdown of what's happening in in those circumstances like that and so i was home that afternoon because i'd actually taken the evening off from work because of the storm situation uh, my family wife and kids were at home and i did not want to leave them there because in the type of work that i do if a storm were to arise or uh, be near in the vicinity of where i work at they would have us shelter in place, basically. And we would not be allowed to leave until the storm had passed. I did not want to be caught out on the roads. I did not want to um, be caught at work. And so I made the decision to leave work early, which I did. And to come straight home so that in case of anything were to happen, I would be here with my family. Uh, so I got home. And uh, things were very, very chill for the first few hours. Uh, it was a little bit of rain, a little bit of wind. Um, 
So me and my wife were in the bedroom and I'm watching Ryan Hall on YouTube trying to keep track of all these things. Now, he kept mentioning time and time again that all the information that he was receiving during that time was it was like five minutes behind actually what was happening on the ground. Uh, With that being said, he did give me a good understanding of what was happening around us. And so, you know, when you see a slew of tornadoes on a map coming your way, uh, you tend to pray and you tend to get a little bit anxious and antsy. And so that's exactly what I did. Um, For the most part, it wasn't too bad. But then me and the wife were in the bedroom and I was sitting by the our the window that overlooks our backyard. I had the window up. It was raining. Um, the wind was blowing. You know, things of that nature. Nothing out of the ordinary at all at this point. But then it's like it really kind of slacked up just for a few seconds. And then all of a sudden the bottom dropped out. I mean, it just was an onslaught of rain and wind for uh, just a few moments. And I mean, it was. It was weird because I had been paying attention to everything all afternoon. And it was the very first time that I had seen the tops of our trees bend. You, If you're from the south and you ever seen that, you, you know exactly what I'm talking about. The wind was blowing the treetops so hard that they were bending. And so I was like really concerned. I was like, okay, what is going on? Of course, watching Ryan Hall, there was never any mention of anything that close in our vicinity. Uh, the very next thing I know... I, uh, it, it, all that, I mean, the wind, the wind was blowing the rain sideways. That's how, I mean, it was, it was sharp, a sharp sideways. Never seen anything before like it in my life. But the next thing I know, every, it was just dead silence. Everything just stopped. It's like Forrest Gump says, it's like somebody turned off the rain. And that's exactly what happened. It was just dead silence. And I mean, dead silence, just nothing, just nothingness. And well, like I said, I have never been in a tornado before. My wife has. Um, I've heard several times from several different people that they say that if a tornado is making its way towards you, uh, you can hear it coming. It sounds like a freight train whistle. Um, so I had my phone going, listening to Ryan there, and uh, it was playing in the background. And I looked at my wife. I said, do you hear that? And she said, cut your phone off. And I, I hit the button. And locked the screen and the sound went away. And we both listened. And it sounded exactly like what I envisioned it did. It was a... Like a high-pitched whale. Or a high-pitched horn almost, I guess you could say. But uh, it was not something I wanted to hear. And she looked at me and she said, get the kids, get to the closet now. I was like, oh God. So I began to panic like I am prone to do in those situations. Um, <laughs> so we had the back window open, so I immediately shut the window and locked it. And it was like, all of a sudden, it was like everything, you know, in those weird moments like that, people say that time slows down, and it was, it was weird because it seemed to do so. Um, I looked out over our backyard, and probably about, I don't know. I'd say 20, 25 yards uh, from the back side of our house. Um, across the yard, we have a 
fence that runs that way on the back side of that fence there's a, a good it's like a thicket of trees and brush um it was very it's very lush and green right now because it's springtime here with all the pollen and everything so you could see it make it out very well um all of a sudden it's like the wind changed direction and every single one of those trees and you know every arm every branch that was stretched out it just blew straight back toward our house and it freaked me out because once i saw it, i'd never seen anything like it uh you gotta understand these were all first for me and so i said like, oh my god and the wife ran to go get our boys i went to go get my little girl she was already there at the standing in the doorway of our um of our bedroom and so i grabbed her i said come on let's get to the closet uh chauffeured her into the closet uh, we grabbed a bunch of pillows and blankets uh, to put place over our heads just in case, because you never know. Um, so I was terrified. We have a large number of uh, pine trees, very tall pine trees. I might have you uh, around our house that uh, I was afraid, you know, with, with the with the rain that we've had most afternoon, that the, the ground would become wet. Uh, the trees would become top heavy and the wind would blow them up from the roots and they would land on our home. I was terrified of that. That was one of my biggest concerns. Um, so anyway, as soon as I made sure my family were in our closet, I immediately it dawned on me that just a few minutes before I had been sitting on sitting out on the front porch uh, with our cat, with one of our cats. And I was like, oh my God, the cat is still outside. And I was, I was devastated. Uh, no, I take that back. I'm sorry. Let me rewind that. Uh, immediately, I was sitting out front, but I recalled that the door was open and I took off running from the closet. And the wife hollers at me, where are you going? And I tell her, I said, like, I got to shut the front door. She said, the hell with the front door. And in any other circumstance, I would have agreed with her. But in my head, that's added protection. So I get to the living room and I see the front door. The front door is already shut, but it's not locked. So I lock it and I run back about halfway back to the closet. I realized that I left the cat out on the front porch. So then <clears throat> I make my way back to the front por uh, front door, unlock the door, open the door. And of course we have a wood door on the inside. And then we have a storm door or a glass door on the outside. And I open it up and I just barely push open the storm door and I call for his name. I say, Sonny, because I do not see him at this point. And from where I was standing, I could not see him. Uh, but anyway, I hollered for, I said, Sonny, he didn't answer. I went to go shut the storm door. So I just let my fingers leave the storm door. And then down at the bottom right hand corner of that storm door, I see a little orange paw like plant itself right up against the glass. And he's like, hold up. And I was like, oh man. And I pushed, I said, come on, get in here. He comes, he shoots inside. I was like, oh, thank goodness, you know, I shut, lock everything back. And then I run back to the closet to join my family. Uh, before when I make the, because I have to pass by the window uh, of our bedroom to get to the closet. And as I look outside, it's just, all I see is just like this. Everything's blowing around outside, but I start to see like everything just start to blur, like change to gray almost. And uh, so anyway, we get into uh, the closet and we hear start to hear this loud, really loud, extremely loud 
um, this roar from overhead. And I was like, you know, I was terrified, uh, as most, as most of us were, um, we of course begin to pray, um, because it, it, it's terrifying. Um, I prayed over my family and our home. I prayed for those in the path of, of the storm. And, um, I waited, I waited to feel the shake of the house. Uh, prepared to hear the rattle of the glass and the windows, uh, prepared to, you know, hear debris, uh, smacking against the side of our home but it never came none of that ever came um i was anticipating a tree falling on our house none of that ever came thank you lord uh but my point of this is that this is what all what was happening and so we figured um this i, I tried to get on back on my phone in the closet to try and find out what was going on outside of our door I could not, during this time, we had no uh, signal out. I could not catch our Wi-Fi. I could not catch a cell phone signal, nothing. Uh, Nothing would play. And so I figured, you know, everything was out. Well, as we listened to it, this thing go overhead. Um, it, It just, it eventually got, went dead silence again. And I was like, I don't know what's going on. And uh, we get hurricanes around here uh, more than anything. And so if you've ever been in a hurricane, if it's large enough for it to reach uh, our way inland, you'll if you ever get in the, the eye of the hurricane, you know it's dead and complete silence. Um, the storm is actually raging around you. But you know that if you're in the middle of a hurricane, that you're past the first half. But you still have the second half to go, depending on which way the hurricane is traveling, of course. Uh, but they always say that the back uh, right, I think it's the back right quadrant of the hurricane is the worst as far as thunder, lightning, wind, rain. Um, so anyway, but nonetheless, uh, we, it just got dead silent. And I, I, it kind of blew me away. I was like, what is going on? And so we started to emerge. And I, I kind of made my way back toward the um, bedroom window. I looked outside. There was still a little bit of wind blowing around. There were some things blowing around in the backyard, some leaves here and there, some branches. It was a little bit of rain going on, but nothing, nothing like what we had seen so uh, uh, earlier. So it was just, I was like, okay. And... Um, the longer we waited, the quieter it got. And before long, it had passed overhead. So it was in our guesstimation that either a, a, a tornado had attempted to touch down in our backyard or that it had touched down uh, on the backside, maybe a block over or so, and was making its way through our backyard. Uh, I never got reports of anything else. Uh, never got reports of uh, another hurricane on to make that list. So, not sure what it was. Um, I know it was a uh, did I say hurricane? I meant tornado. But um, anyway, uh, uh, another storm, another tornado. To uh, I think it, I think it tried to touch down right here, and then it jumped out our house which uh, we were extremely uh, blessed in that moment. But it it was terrifying. It really was nothing I want to live through again. Uh, But with that being said, uh, we here at the Southern Inspector, we we 
you know, our, our prayers and blessings are with those that have been affected with it because there was a lot um, people we know that have lost their homes or uh, incurred damages from these storms. It, it was crazy. I, it was it was a weird, tense moment for for me, and I thought I'd share that with you guys. Um, aside from that, we've had some personal issues going on here in the house, but other than that, everything's been fine. Uh, that's why this is late coming out. But uh, I thought I'd I thought I'd take the time because it is Easter weekend. I thought I'd take the time to tell you about um, from my hometown of Springfield, South Carolina, uh, that they are they had just celebrated. They had the the small um <laughs> the small festival small town festival of what is known as the governor's frog jump um uh, i'm gonna say that again it's called the governor's frog jump <laughs> yes it's a real thing um it, it i don't really know how i don't know the full history behind it so don't blame me or anything but um i know i've been several times as a kid a few times as an adult um you know it, through a kid's perspective, everything's so much better. Everything's so much bigger. Um, but nonetheless, uh, it, it's a festival that is annually held. They haven't had it in about two years due to COVID and quarantine and so on and so forth. But anyway, it's finally back. This was the first year it made its way back. Um, but long story short, they have a frog jumping competition. Uh, from what I've always been told, it is based off of Mark Twain's uh short story the jumping frog of calaveras county um so people yeah people go out they they make it a tradition they go to the around the local swamps and ponds and they get the frog with the biggest legs that they can and i'm talking i'm talking about bullfrogs i'm talking about massive bullfrogs y'all things i mean when they hold them up these frog legs seriously are about two to three feet long that's how big of frogs they are uh but anyway people enter them they all have very weird names it's mainly like a father father and kid type activity i guess you could say but they bring them in coolers they put water in there so they don't die off uh, some people bring a they go out and they capture them and so those who want a frog can actually get a frog while they're there so they actually yeah frogs bullfrogs five dollars a piece so if you go make your way um years and years ago they actually built a uh, frog jumping arena um it's a lot less uh, intimidating in person than what it actually sounds like but it's just a little pin, a little piece of fencing that they put up and um, they have these lily pads that are launch pads um, where the frog starts out. And I think it's the best of three consecutive jumps. So where the frog starts out from the frog to where the frog lands um, ends up after three jumps, uh, that distance is measured and the frog with the longest distance wins. And so, uh, yeah, it's been going on for years. They usually have a carnival, some carnival rides, a uh, parade, uh, cow drop competition. I know they used to. Uh, dance, a beauty pageant, things of that nature. But, yeah, it's just a small town family fun, I guess you could say. But um, just not as what it once was over the years, you know. And, and it's it's good to see it come back. But on the same hand, you wish it would you should could be like it what what it once was 
Um, but anyway, I just thought I'd share that with you guys. Um, we, we have a bunch of strange uh, festivals here in the South. Um, we have one uh, not too far from where I currently stay uh, called the Cooter Fest. I'm going to say that again. The Cooter Fest. It's a turtle race competition. Yes, a turtle race competition. Um, but that's what it's based on. And yeah, but you know, you can make a lot of money off of a, 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 a cooter, cooter fest uh, t-shirt. Believe you me. Um, but anyway, that, that that's, <laughs> I thought that was interesting enough. And I thought I'd share those couple of things that occurred um, the past few weeks. Um, but anyway, just thought I'd share that. Now I'm going to get into um, the story that we have picked out for this week. Which is, of course, uh, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of this um, legend before, but it's called the Philadelphia Experiment. So according to legend on October 28th, 1943, uh, the USS Eldridge, uh, which is a which was a destroyer escort, uh, was con supposedly conducting top secret experiments. Uh, the latest news from the rumor mill was the U.S. government was working on a new technology that would allow Navy ships to be completely invisible on enemy radar. And it was in the Philadelphia Naval Shipyard uh, where they were going to test it out. Now, those who were there that day claimed that an eerie green bluish glow surrounding the hull of the ship as her generator spun up. And then suddenly the Eldridge completely disappeared for several minutes. Now, here's where it gets weird. Once the ship had disappeared, it was claimed to be seen by other people in the Norfolk Naval Shipyard in Virginia, which where it disappeared once again and then reappeared back in Philadelphia. So, supposed this new um, type of uh, uh, technology that the Navy is now trying out. So they have implemented it on the they have implemented on the USS Eldridge. Um, those who were there in attendance on in Philadelphia uh, claim that there was this weird, you know, this strange glow effect coming off of the boat. It, they say it disappeared for several minutes. And during that time when it disappeared, uh, folks over in Virginia claimed that they had saw it over there in the Norfolk Naval Shipyard. It disappeared from Norfolk and reappeared back in Philadelphia. Uh, almost like a, what do you call it? Like a teleportation uh, almost. So the legend lays claim that classified military documents report that when the USS Eldridge reappeared, the crew had been affected from the experiment in very disturbing ways. So once it's made its way back to Philadelphia, um, so according to military documents, uh, the crew of the Eldridge had suffered some not so fun effects. Um, so some crew members went 
uh, insane, while others developed mysterious illnesses. But even creepier still, others were said to have been fused together with the ship, still alive, but with the limbs sealed to the metal. That weren't enough during that time that the elders disappeared from the Philadelphia in its shipyard. Eyewitness claimed to have spotted the vessel in the Norfolk Naval Shipyard in Virginia. <clears throat> so in, <clears throat> excuse me, got a frog in my throat. In a 1994 article for the Journal of Scientific Exploration, Jacques F. Vallee theorized that deep-seated imagery is key to planning a hoax into the minds of the masses and of the educated public. Now, before we break down what really happened that day, let's talk about the man behind the myth, Carl M. Allen. Um, Carl M. Allen, who would go by the pseudonym Carlos Miguel Allende, in 1956, Allen D. sent a series of letters to Morris Jessup, author of the book, The Case for the UFO, in which he argued that unidentified flying objects merit further study. Now, Jessup apparently included text about unified field theory because this is what Allen D. latched onto for his correspondences. Now, in the 1950s, unified field theory, which has never been proven, attempted to merge Einstein's general theory of relativity with electromagnetism. Allen D. even claimed to have been taught by Einstein himself and could prove that the unified field theory based on events he witnessed on October 28, 1943. Now, Allen D. claimed that he saw the Eldridge disappear from the Philadelphia Naval Yard, and he further insisted that the United States military had conducted what he called the Philadelphia Experiment and he, they were trying to cover it up. Now, Jessup was then contacted by the Navy's Office of Naval Research, who had received a package containing Jessup's book with annotations claiming that extraterrestrial technology allowed the U.S. government to make breakthroughs in unified film, field theory. This is one of the weirdest details. The annotations were designed to look like they were written by three different authors. One of these authors could potentially be extraterrestrial. So according to Val's article for the Journal of Scientific Exploration, Jessup became obsessed with Allen D's revelations and the disturbed researcher would take his own life in 1959. It wasn't until 1980 that proof of Allen D's forgery would be made available. So he forged the, uh, the writing, uh, the annotations in the book. So inexplicably, two ONR, ONR officers had 127 copies of the annotated text printed and privately distributed by the military contractor Vero Manufacturing, giving wings to Allen's story long after Jessup's death. So what really happened aboard the USS Eldridge that day? So according to Edward Dudgeon, who served in the U.S. Navy aboard the USS Engstrom, which was dry docked in the Philadelphia Naval Yard while the Eldridge was, both ships did have classified devices on board. They were neither invisibility cloaks nor teleportation drives designed by aliens, but instead they scrambled the magnetic signatures of ships using the degassing technique which provided protection from magnetic torpedoes aboard U-boats. So according to HowStuffWorks.com, 
they suggested that the green glow reported by witnesses that day could be explained by an electrical storm or St. Elmo's fire, uh, which is a weather phenomenon in which plasma is created in a strong electric field, giving off a bright glow, almost like fire. The ship involved in the experiment was supposedly the USS Eldridge. The archives have reviewed the deck log and war diary from Eldridge's commissioning on August 27, 1943 at the New York Navy Yard through December 1943. The following description of Eldridge's activities are summarized from the ship's war diary. After commissioning, Eldridge remained in New York and in the Long Island Sound until September 16th when it sailed to Bermuda. From the 8th September 18th, the ship was in the vicinity of Bermuda undergoing training and sea trials until October 15th when the Eldridge left in a convoy for New York where the convoy entered on October 18th. Eldridge remained in New York Harbor until November 1st when it was part of the escort for convoy UGS-23, which is the New York section. On November 2nd, the convoy entered Naval Operating Base Norfolk. On November 3rd, Eldridge and convoy UGS-23 left for Casablanca, where it arrived on November 22nd. On November 29th, Eldridge left as one of the escorts for convoy GUS-22 and arrived with the convoy on December 17th at New York Harbor. At New York Harbor. Eldridge remained in New York on availability training and in Block Island Sound until December 31st when it streamed to Norfolk with four other ships. During this time frame, Eldridge was never in Philadelphia. Now, a copy of Eldridge's complete World War II action report and war diary coverage, including the remarks section of the 1943 deck log, is held by the archives on microfilm NRS 1978. 26. The original file is held by the National Archives. Now, supposedly, the crew of the civilian merchant ship SS Andrew Furiseth observed the arrival via teleportation of the Eldridge into the Norfolk area. Andrew Furiseth movement report cards are in the 10th Fleet Records in the custody of the Modern Military Branch, National Archives, and Records Administration which also has custody of the action reports, war diaries, and deck logs of all World War II Navy ships, including Eldridge. The movement report cards list the merchant ship's ports of call, the dates of the visit, and convoy designation. If any, the movement report card shows that Andrew Furseth left Norfolk with convoy UGS 15th on August 16th, 1943 and arrived at Casablanca on September 2nd. The ship left Casablanca on September 19th and arrived off Cape Henry on October 4th. Andrew Furseth left Norfolk with convoy UGS-22 on on October 25th and arrived at Oran on November 12th. The ship remained in the Mediterranean until it returned with convoy GUS-25 to Hampton Roads on January 17, 1944. The archives have a letter from Lieutenant Junior Grade William S. Dodge, USNR, retired, the master of Andrew Furseth, 
1943, categorically denying that he or his crew observed any unusual event while in Norfolk. Eldridge and Andrew Forsyth were not even in Norfolk at the same time. The Office of Naval Research, ONR, has stated that the use of force fields to make a ship and her crew invisible does not conform to known physical laws. ONR also claims that Dr. Albert Einstein's unified field theory was never completed. So during 1943-1944, Einstein was a part-time consultant with the Navy's Bureau of Ordnance, undertaking theoretical research on explosives and explosions. There is no indication that Einstein was involved in research relevant to invisibility or to teleportation. The Philadelphia experiment has also been called Project Rainbow. A comprehensive search of the archives has failed to identify records of a Project Rainbow relating to teleportation or making a ship disappear. In the 40s, the codename Rainbow was used to refer to the Rome-Berlin-Tokyo axis. The Rainbow plans were the war plans to defeat Italy, Germany, and Japan. Rainbow V, the plan in effect on December 7, 1941, when Japan attacked Pearl Harbor, was the plan the U.S. used to fight the Axis powers. Now, some researchers have erroneously concluded that degassing has a connection with making an object invisible. Degassing is a process in which a system of electrical cables are installed around the circumference of a ship's hull, running from bow to stern on both sides. A measured electrical current is passed through these cables <clears throat> to cancel out the ship's magnetic field. The gassing equipment was installed in the hull of Navy ships and could be turned on whenever the ship was in waters that might contain magnetic mines, usually shallow waters in combat areas. It could be said that degassing correctly done makes a ship invisible to the sensors of magnetic mines, but the ship remains visible to the human eye, radar, and underwater listening devices. So after many years of research, the staff of the archives and independent researchers have not located any official documents that support the assertion that an invisibility or teleportation experiment involving a Navy ship occurred at Philadelphia or any other location. So it sounds to me like you got two possible outcomes here. Either A, this was just one big urban legend, or B. Somebody really did see something, and the U.S. military is trying to cover it up. What do you think? Anyway, that a lot of that information comes from military.com. So, yeah. It would be, be wise to assume that they... they Sounds like a very viable story on their end, okay? But anyway, guys... Um, I know this is a short episode, um, and I hope you enjoyed it. Nonetheless, uh, it's just been, it's just been a very crazy two weeks for me and Lexi. Both we've both been having to deal with our own stuff. Um, but anyway, nonetheless, the show must go on, right? 
And so with that being said, I just want to wish everybody a happy Easter. Um, you know, it's literally springtime here in the South. Uh, it's beautiful weather outside. Uh, let's hope it stays that way. April showers do bring May flowers. So we've had a ton of rain this uh, this month. Month's not over with yet. Uh, calling for more rain. And so next month we'll have plenty, plenty of flowers to look forward to. Um, with that being said, guys, I hope you all are, are doing well. I hope you guys are, are taking care and taking care of each other. Um, but with that being said, y'all have a good one. Uh, as Lexi would say, stay spooky, everyone. Bye.